Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. favorite podcast in soccer we trust on Jimmy Trash Can Cream Cheese Conrad Nino alongside the Chuck of all Chuck Wagons Charlie Davies and the Hollywood of all Hollywoods Heath Pierce actually I just remember this Keith we used to call you Hollywood Harry so I think mm-hmm. we're gonna now pivot back to Hollywood Harry so everybody knows that's uh Keith's nickname moving forward and before we discuss the drama surrounding Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna we wanted to take a moment to discuss a friend of the show and our friend in real life Grant Wall who uh, my brain can't even compute that this actually happened and we're talking about this out loud, but he sadly and shockingly passed away at the age of 49 here in Qatar after an apparent heart attack, though the exact death of, cause of death is uh, not yet known. And it happened in the press area at the Lucille Stadium, which is about three miles from where I'm sitting right now. And the whole thing just feels super surreal. Now, before I let Heath and Charlie talk about him, I want to give you some background, some context to what made Grant so special. He covered a ton of events on his way to becoming a senior writer at Sports Illustrated, NCAA tournaments, Olympic Games, had cover stories, LeBron LeBron James being one of the big ones. And all of it was like terrific writing and journalism, but I feel like he found his voice and his people covering the beautiful game as he became one of the most renowned soccer reporters in the U.S., covering both the men's and women's national teams, Major League Soccer, and the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL. And what I loved in particular is how much respect he gave the sport, especially the women's game, that needed and deserved that respect. And um, that parlayed into his first book. His first ever book was about David Beckham's arrival from Europe to the LA Galaxy called The Beckham Experiment. And then he wrote a second book uh, about soccer as well. And uh, just a tremendous writer and journalist, but also a tremendous human being. And uh, I don't know which one of you wants to go first. Uh, Heath, you've got the book up right now. I'll let you go first. Do you have any Grant Wall stories to share? Yeah, actually... Oddly enough, I literally just saw this. This came from a uh, Kino Kuniya, which is a, a bookstore here in Dubai. And my friend, who's she's she's Emirati, doesn't know um, Grant Wall particularly, but just saw that on her bookshelf in the office that I'm in. This is kind of wildly bizarre. Um, has this book, so um, respect uh, to that. Uh, and I, I again like that was just completely completely random that I saw this looking at her bookshelf um, right now, but. I, I think Grant was a guy that used to drive me crazy on a regular basis. And <laughs> after he would drive me crazy on a regular basis, uh, I would probably drive him crazy on a regular basis. The next day we would go at it again um, from a level of respect that I think is is almost gone in our society, right? This idea that differing opinions doesn't mean we can't be friends. Differing opinions doesn't mean we can't uh, spend time together. Differing opinions doesn't mean the next morning – when we're in Panama and I come down uh, to have breakfast and, and he's coming down at the same time that we can't stand in the buffet line and eat the same food, sit down together 
and and have a meal without it being awkward. And I I I, I think that probably summarized my relationship up with him the most. He was a, he was a friend. He was a good friend, and one that I would consider now now looking back as as a really healthy one. In the fact that I do have a lot of people that I spend time with that agree with a lot of the things that I say or 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 are willing to debate things. But he was one that was very true to his values and very true to what he felt. Um, and, and stood on those moral grounds, uh, hundred percent of the time. And I think for me, having people like that in, in our society now where things are so fickle and where the scrutiny is, is so high and where everyone's under the microscope and somebody like him who is public facing while trying to go into the depths of telling the right stories and tell the honest truth stories just spoke to the character that he was. And, and yeah, it's just like you said at the top, Jimmy. It's 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 weird for me to to actually process this right now. I I I can honestly say that my brain hasn't actually accepted it because it still feels like we're in the midst of this tournament and there's all this drama happening and all these things. And he was front and center of my timeline and my feed, whether it was something he said or it was a an article he had written that was being reposted. He was just everywhere in my world over the last three weeks whether I, I chose to find it or not, it was just in my face constantly that to have this be the next step of, of that, that sort of t- like uh, information in my timeline is un- unimaginable. Like my brain won't wrap my head around it, um, but I'll, he'll be dearly missed by the sport. And he got to a size where he could have moved to another sport. He could have done other things, but I feel like you, like you said it well, he found his calling here and, and he really wanted to see the sport grow uh, both on the men's and women's side and was willing to put his reputation, his name, his his career, his salary on the line on a regular basis to to, to do what he felt was right for the game. And my story is one that I think shows the kind of, of uh, character that he possesses. Uh, so, you know, I, I remember seeing him in and around the national team uh, during my uh, first couple years playing for our, for our country. And, I had the car accident and he called my my home and my mother answered the phone and and he didn't know this but my mother has always suffered with a uh, a mental disorder uh, ever since uh, I can remember I think second grade would be her first mental breakdown so she didn't come uh, directly with my family to the hospital when I was there um because I think everyone feared that this would start a, a really bad chain reaction for her so um, he, he hammered her with questions. Why aren't you there supporting your family? Why aren't you there, you know, supporting your son, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I, my parents told me long after, and I just remember being like, why, why would someone do that? You know? And, and, but in 2011, when I came back to DC United, he was the first person to come up to me and say, Hey, I just really want to apologize how things happened. Um, I, I wasn't aware, uh, of, of your mother's uh, disability. And um, I'm the first person to say, like, I'm sorry. And and I think that was the ambition of, of a journalist and, and Grant Wall, but also like the ethics that he he had. He, he was uh, someone who re- deeply cared about doing things the right way. And so um, I have so much respect for Grant Wall and, and how he just pushed our sport, how he wanted to make it a mission for it to grow in our country, to get people to understand what the sport's about and and the interesting stories around certain players and and teams. So an incredibly talented, gifted writer and someone that uh, I I really got to know after that point. And then we got to work together and he was always the first one to send me a text. Um, Hey, great stuff today. Really insightful um, what was said today and and on the show. And so Grant Wall will, will always go down in history as someone who really uh, was at the forefront of of journalism for our sport in our country, and someone that um it it really doesn't feel real um to be honest when 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 I read that so uh, I feel so sorry for his his family um you know basically everyone who who's a sports fan has read an article done by Grant Wall so um. I've got nothing but respect and and uh, I am, I'm so happy that we're honoring him um, the best that we can with stories uh, that resonate with us and, and the interactions that we've had. But just a, always a positive. He always had a smile, was always positive, um, and uh, he, he will be missed. A thousand percent. And of course, our, our thoughts and and warm hugs being sent over to their family through a very, very difficult time. And, and again, I'm, I'm with you, too. I'm here. And I've been around some people that were there when it happens, and uh, everybody's still in shock about the whole 
the whole thing. What I'll add to this is that post-career, and I've had a chance to work with Grant, as you guys have, and uh, he was always so pretty serious. You know, he's trying to get to the heart of something. So my my goal every time I was with Grant, I was like, can I crack this guy up? You know, can I can I make him laugh? Because his laugh was more of a cackle uh, than like a belly laugh, you know? And so I thought if I could crack up Grant, I'm doing something right. And uh, that was always my, my goal when I was around Grant is just could I just make him laugh. And so uh, that was always cool when I got to, to do that. And even when he came on our show, when this was uh, originally called the U.S. Men's National Team Hour, I know that Heath and I were just trying to make him laugh the whole time. And it was uh, it was awesome. And uh, it's, it's it's it feels it doesn't feel real. And I don't know if I'll ever find peace. I don't know if his family will ever find peace. He just he passed away way too young. And the circumstances, it's just it's insane. I, I, Another I do thing want to say, Jimmy. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Uh, I, I wanted to say this just to be to be known, at least. And I think we all agree with this is that. His passing at such a young age and in the circumstances that it did doesn't change what his legacy would have been regardless, mm-hmm. right? He would have mm-hmm. just done this for another year. And he would have pushed the ball further down the field with the things that he he did and the things that he stood for and the things that he believed in and, and where he wanted to to see things go. I think he, 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 he would have kept doing that. This isn't, you know, I, I think the word pioneer gets used quite often and abused quite often, but he is somebody that... Uh, came from has been part of this game from the very beginning, not the very beginning of when it's been in the U.S., but as MLS started and all these things happened and nobody was listening and we were screaming from the mountaintops, even going up to 10 years ago and five years ago when we're all screaming this thing needs to grow, he's been part of that the whole way and leading the way for others in, in his field to continue to have opportunities. And as I've read through uh, hundreds of people posting about how kind he was or what a friend he was or or you know what what he meant to the game and what his love for the game was, one of the, the, that common themes was just like he made time um, for others. And I think that to me is, is a really important factor um, is that the amount of people that he interacted with on a regular basis, right? I, I use my reference of I was down doing a documentary in Panama after I'd retired and we ran into each other uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the cafeteria. And I went to sit down with a buddy of mine that was part of the production team. And I wasn't going to invite him to sit down with me. I knew him for a long time. We had done shows together. We were whatever. But it was my breakfast time. I was just quiet, barely waking up. And he immediately asked, can I sit with you guys and have a breakfast? And and we ended up having all kinds of wild conversations and telling war stories and all these things of travel and things like that. Whereas, And that was an opportunity that I otherwise would have never remembered, right? Breakfast in a hotel in a Central American country that I'd been to multiple times and whatever. It was otherwise a, a, a forgettable stay within the hotel. But I remembered that day uh, as something of this guy who just kind of asked, can I sit with you guys instead of sitting by himself and then use that as an opportunity to get to know us more, have a conversation. And I don't know, maybe that's common. Maybe it's not. But for me, it was just a small little detail that resonated as I started to read all the outpouring of, of love and respect for, for, for the man that he was. Yeah, I'll jump in and say that I had a funny story. There was a article that came out when I had retired and Kick TV got started and it was about who had the most fake followers on Twitter. <laughs> and, and, and Grant Wall was number one. And I was like, this mother effer, you know, like this guy, he's got all these followers. You know how you get kind of sucked into that world sometimes and mm-hmm. who has what and how thirsty you can get for followers and all that good stuff. And, and that was at a time where I was pretty thirsty for that and didn't understand like Grant Wall, like I, I respect what he does, but I just can't believe it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just put out like a fun tweet and I actually might have said something to him as well. And he got so defensive. He was like in my DMs. He was like coming at me hard. And, and it, it's much as I obviously had some some envy uh, of the kind of influence he had, which he had earned and deserved. But he was like, dude, I didn't I don't know how they're my fault. I don't know how they got there. I'm like, OK, that's fine. You totally don't know how you got there. But but there was also part of like. What we were trying to create, or at least what I was trying to create post-career, was like I wanted to be a part of a team again. I, I miss that. I miss being able to just bullshit with people and give people a hard time. And and so that was my way, I think, in some ways, of like bringing him into my team. I wanted him to be a part of my team. And I wanted to basically initiate him into what we were doing. And, and we got there. We eventually talked about it in that way, in the way that I'm explaining. And we've been fast friends ever since. And uh, but there were there was a, a moment where it was a little sticky. I remember after this was all going down, we saw each other in Poland 
for the Euros in 2012. And that's where we kind of mended that fence because I came at him pretty hot. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think he liked that. I think he liked that people would hold him accountable. And also, he was very good at holding people accountable. And I, I wanted to add that too, Heath, with regard to, yes, he's, he's moved the, the ball down the field because he hasn't been a yes man all the time, right? He's held mm-hmm. people accountable. He calls in an industry out. where where there's not a lot of jobs, right? Yeah, like it's you right. shut you shut down certain things. There's a lot of people fearful, and, and the soccer space is getting bigger where there's more money involved and more ability to to be uh, you without having to sort of bend. Uh, but he is one of the few people that was sort of, you know, he he'd go after very important people and still get invited to the dinner, you know? Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, and I think that's, that's the, the respect of, 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 of threading that needle, which is very difficult to do because I know the three of us, we've all said things that people have held against us even to this day uh, that we can't take back and somebody doesn't want to let it go and whatever. And his ability to survive in an industry that requires him to do that, I thought was, you know, uh, well yeah, done. And I, and I think when I, when I, when I read the stories like you guys are, and when I hear your story, Charlie, when I hear, you know, yours, Heath, and, you know, you put all of it together. He never didn't want to change anybody. He wasn't trying to change anybody. He wanted you to be you. Uh, mm-hmm. And he wanted, and I love, I love that part of him, Charlie. I love that part of him. And I just love that he, he was always the first one to congratulate you on your mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. He was always the first one to check in on you and say he's there for your support, uh, for support. He's just, he was a thought, a, a very thoughtful individual. Um and and one that was always willing to, uh, you know, extend the olive branch, if you will. Right? He he's just he was getting after it with his news. He was getting it after it with with his um, articles, and and they they were always insightful. He always felt that you were uh, you learned something uh, reading what Grant Wall uh, put out there. So it, it's just even talking about it right now, just. Just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. You know? make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, I, I have, I have one more story to tell. Um, Do it while, while we're on this subject, and you know, we're talking about this, uh, all this, this, this serious guy, investigative journalist, really pushing the envelope forward. Well, a couple of years ago. We get the crazy idea at Kick TV Copa 90 that we want to do this. You know, we'd been watching um, Drunk History on 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 TV, and we were like, you know, it'd be great if we can recreate like pivotal moments in U.S. soccer's history over drinks where like it turns into this drunk history where it gets a little more exaggerated. So, of course, the person we go to, and you guys will love this, Jay Demerit, right? And we're going to launch this oh show boy. called Drunk Drunk Soccer. <laughs> and we make this show where I'm like, okay, we're, him and I are telling these stories and, and we're supposed to just keep, you know, I end up, I think I take like, and, and I don't recommend doing this. It was like nine shots and six beers over this period where like I was, I was hungover for a few days. Jay was just fine. <laughs> But as I was getting more and more drunk, trying to get Jay to um, tell me the story inaccurately so then we can animate over this exaggeration about how uh, when he had scored to go uh, to, to the playoff to go to, to go to the Premier League, that game was supposed to be uh, at Wembley, right? But Wembley was being rebuilt, so they had to play the game in, I think it was in Wales. And so I'm trying to get him to tell the story. Long story short, the episode is this giant bust, whatever. We put it out the best that we can. It's basically... Jay telling stories and me just completely obliterated on camera. And <laughs> we love it. We're like, there's something here. We got to do something with it. We can't get any more budget to make another episode. And I get a call from Grant and he goes, Hey, I want you to come on, on my sports illustrated show. And doesn't really say much about it. And we talk a little bit about things. He has me on this show and it's, it's a live to tape show at, at the studios down there at, um, they were in the world trade center at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And immediately goes into and I, I, I've been scrolling to look for it because I still have the picture. And the lower third on the show, it says, will we get more drunk soccer? And Grant spent the whole episode asking me if I'm going to make more drunk soccer episodes and like laughed about this and was like uh, poking and prodding at, at this whole thing. And I, and I remember it being like, this was the most out of left field uh, show because I thought he'd come on and like we'd go down a serious route and talk about heavy things. But he just wanted to talk about drunk soccer. And I remember that being just a moment where I was like, this is pretty funny. Like this guy is like, and he was kind of poking and prodding me and kind of going after Jay and being like, why did you pick Jay of all people, you know, and all these things. And <laughs> I'm sure that episode is still somewhere out there, but I remember that being just like a complete shift from the grant that we knew as when we were players, right. Where there's a little bit of this distance, mm-hmm. you respect and whatever to then being friends. And when we're all in the same field to him being interested in, and in seeing me be absolutely uh, out of my mind. Uh, and I'll, and, and, you know, I, I share that just as like a 
something to get off my my chest more than anything of just like a fond memory that I have um, having spent a little bit of time with him in New York City. Well, Grant was an exceptional journalist and a tremendous friend, colleague and ambassador for the game. Uh, Grant's impact and imprint on the soccer community within the U.S. and globally will endure 100% for years to come. All of us, and we're speaking here at CBS Sports and in Soccer We Trust, we offer our heartfelt condolences to Grant's wife, Dr. Celine Gunder, as his family, and of course his family and friends. Uh, his, he will be missed, and his impact will live on forever. So we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And there Hold is on, some Jimmy, news. Wait, wait, I found it. I found it. I found you the photo. Look at your hair, it? by the way. I know. My hair was through the air. There's no angle there. When oh, we my get gosh. Will we get to see more drunk soccer if we can get this thing to focus? <laughs> I mean, what a funny episode for something that was like, you know, news and information. I, I, I just I had to I be able that. to show that now that I found it because I'd been staring down at my ankles for the last five minutes and didn't want anybody to think I wasn't paying attention. So sorry. You Got more like to talk you, about. You look like you were on uh, Breaking Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. Or you should have been uh, like point break. You should have been jumping out of an airplane on point yeah. break with Keanu Reeves. Team Jacob. Hey, I, I, need, I need to develop all those accents Charlie has when he jumps between like the surfer bro and the Jamaican guy and like the Russian guy and all those things. You know, Charlie's our voice actor in the group. I just need to develop, you know, remember, remember the, it's Halloween. Tuh, yeah, man. Like, uh. That's Keenan and Kel right there. Oh, yeah. That should, be, that should be Charlie. Charlie should have a weekly character, actually. So, so. You should do that, Charlie. Um, I don't know if you want to act like Greg Berhalter talking about this Gio Reyna situation oh, right boy. now. But oh, apparently... by the way, Jimmy, hold on. Before what? we get into what? it, were you guys ever – just because I, I, my only way to, to get past our, our first segment is to just kind of let some things out, and so here we are. Sure, sure. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, speaking of voice uh, things, uh, do, do either of you guys have a memory of uh, when Sasha did the Bob Bradley in front of, in front of, uh, in front of Bob? Were either of you at that, no. in that camp? Oh, okay. Were you Charlie? You were. Oh, Charlie was yeah. there when he didn't when he didn't do it when he didn't want to do it. And Bob yes. was like, "Oh, that's okay. That was all right. That was all right." It was like yeah. the oh my gosh, dude. Did he did he crush I, him? He 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 smashed it. Yeah, he smashed <laughs> it. He's he absolutely smashed it. And Sasha was like, "No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it." And guys were like, "Get up there and do it." Like he had to go. And Bob was like a little bit like taken aback that it was like pretty like. It wasn't that it was super accurate. It was just that it was all the mannerisms and all the phrases repeated over and over again. And um, and uh, yeah, just that thought like a cartoon character. With, yeah, with, cartoon with, character with those Bob. voices. Anyways, move on. Move on to the to the other the other stuff. Well, yeah, for those on. that I think um, that want to jump into this part of the conversation, Gio Reyna is now being somewhat found out with regard to why he didn't play or why he only played fifty two minutes. Yes. Throughout the World Cup through four games. Greg Berhalter was part of a leadership summit and he made these comments and spoke or spoke about the player anonymously about how there was a player that was not demonstrating the proper energy or enthusiasm for what was happening. And ultimately that got put out when U.S. soccer has now come out and said that that was ex explicitly private and it should not have been posted anywhere. And uh, people have now surmised that the anonymous player was Gio Reyna. And now Gio Reyna or his agent has come out and said that uh, – I'll read it for you in a second here because I have it somewhere yeah. else. But anyway, Gio Reyna basically had a bad attitude and Greg Berhalter said he didn't want to play him. 
And it makes complete sense as to why you wouldn't want to play a player with a bad attitude that's impacting the team. Now, I do want to put to rest that there is some talk, or I think it's been put to rest well, now. Did you, Jimmy, did you talk about the statement that he just put out on Instagram a minute ago? No, yeah. I didn't. Let's read it. Okay. Read it to us. Uh, I hoped not to comment on matters at the World Cup. It is my belief that things that happen in a team setting ought to remain private. That being said, statements have been made that reflect on my professionalism and character so I feel the need to make a brief statement. Just before the World Cup, Coach Burholter told me that my role at the tournament would be very limited. I was devastated. I am someone who plays with pride and passion. Soccer is my life, and I believe in my abilities. I fully expected and desperately wanted to contribute to the play of a talented group as we tried to make a statement at the World Cup. I am also a very emotional person. And I fully acknowledge that I let my emotions get the best of me and affect my training and behavior for a few days after learning about my limited role. I apologized to my teammates and coach for this, and I was told I was forgiven. Thereafter, I shook off my disappointment and gave everything I had on and off the field. I am disappointed that there is continuing coverage of this matter, in parentheses, as well as some highly fictionalized versions of events and of parentheses, and extremely surprised that anyone on the U.S. men's team staff would contribute to it. Coach, Coach Berhalter has always said that issues that arise with the team will stay in-house, in quotations, so we can focus on team unity and progress. Okay. I love my team. I love representing my country, and I am focusing now only on improving and growing as a soccer player and a person. I hope that growing, going forward, each person involved in U.S. soccer focuses only on what is in the best interest of the men's national team so we can enjoy a great success at the World Cup in 2026. Okay, so I'll jump in. That's a, that's a statement that had to be made, given how much smoke was coming his way. And <laughs> uh, obviously, he's got his reputation he has to maintain. I I, I I get where he's coming from, and I do think that anybody would be disappointed hearing that same news, especially when you probably think and should be you know, one of the key guys um, and have the talent to do so, obviously. What I think when – I, when I first heard it and first saw it, I understand – well, I just feel like Greg wanted to get it off of his chest. He wanted to let everybody know why he didn't yes. play Gio Reyna. That's the number one question he was probably going to get. Why didn't you play Gio more? Mm -hmm. And he just – I mean, I think he knew, maybe he didn't know that it was going to blow up like this, especially if he thought he was in a private setting. But at some point, it was going to come out. It came out probably a little quicker than he wanted and Gio wanted. It's still kind of fresh and raw how he performed and his lack of minutes. And even when he played for 45, didn't have too much of an impact. But, um, you know, we, at that point, we, we were we've, putting him in a false all, nine position too. We, we've all been in the locker room, all of us. Mm -hmm. What do you think of a coach coming out and saying these things in public because we all we both know i we both yeah. know that there have been a number of players who have done crazier things and nothing has seen the light of day talk I, about I, fights I, you know mm -hmm. all of the above i yet this I, happened to to come out after the world cup on top of that right yeah, I just think that I just I, think that Greg wanted that to be out there so that he could say, hey, it wasn't it wasn't me that, you know, I wasn't the only person that play here. This was this was, you know, this was. Yeah, but what do you think of that? Thing. Are you OK with well, that? No, 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 I, I don't I don't agree with it because and I'll just let me jump in really quick, Keith, because in 2006 at the World Cup for the first and only time I saw Bruce Serena throw players under the bus. And it was he threw DeMarcus and Landon Donovan under the uh, under the bus after we lost the Czech Republic. And in a way that I've never seen, he he. And he also pulled us aside after we got back to our hotel and then apologized to the whole team. Basically, like I was just so emotional. That's just what came out. But and, but he was like number one at always protecting the players and keeping everything in house. And that was really against what he usually did, never singling out any players, you know, and obviously as a coach taking responsibility for how the team performed and not, you know, highlighting anybody. It was it was uh, that was fascinating. And, 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 you know, what was fascinating about it? I wasn't around the team enough. I wasn't in. This is my first World Cup cycle with with Bruce. And this was number two for a lot of these, most of the guys to see how they reacted to Bruce. It, it was interesting because all of a sudden you'd start to lose a little bit of that trust that you thought you had with your coach. And so I don't know if he ever regains that with with Greg anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I there's a few things for me. One, the, the article that comes out or Greg's comments are about the fact that it was addressed and it didn't happen again. So on, on one hand, I, I think that's 
for Gio Reyna, a great learning moment and opportunity because he's young. And young people do dumb shit all the time. They say dumb stuff. They make dumb decisions. You know, we've got people Facts. that make un, 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 um, unfixable decisions at his age outside of the, the pitch and things like that. Footballers that we've seen uh, make decisions that, that are irreversible, right? They are young. They are kids. They're, they're barely adults, right? Uh, so he's going to make those decisions. His emotions did get the best of him. I've seen Gio's emotions get the best of him multiple times. I've seen his body language in the best of times of our national team be negative. I've seen all of that. And so if you think that that was something new or something that wasn't, I've talked to players that said that he doesn't care in the same way that others care. Now, that doesn't mean that's not going to be what happens in the future. He was able to get away with some of those things because he's got pure talent. He's got raw talent. Then he was called out. And then he was addressed by players. There was a big thing in the team. They kept it internal. I think it was wrong for Greg Berhalter to release that. That's one of those things that unfortunately <clears throat> might follow, might have followed him and ate him up forever, right? Never being able to address the single moment that would clear him of something so controversial, but it needed to stay in. Now, there's reports that it was going to come out anyway, but for him, for it to come from Greg's mouth, I think that was, at least in my perspective, irresponsible because um, – you and I, all of us know, way worse has happened in locker rooms, and that stuff's still buried. We can all share certain stories. We tell stories all the time on here. But there's other stories we're never going to tell. There's other stories we're never going to release or, or let come out, no matter how much we know the group chat or the internet would love to hear them, right? So I think it was wrong of Greg to, to, to tell those things and, and, and wash his hands of that in that moment. Again, there's supposed to be some private conference and not come out and whatever, but everything comes out now. The moment you say it in any context, it's going to come out. But for Gio, I think it's a huge learning moment. Um, and he still has the opportunity now to grow. And I think growth is, is, a, is a really important part of somebody in his face because he has been, not to say he hasn't been through a lot. We know that, that he's been through tragic things with, with his family and, and gone through a lot for a young age, but he has been part of a privileged generation of players that has an incredible amount of talent and the growth that he's had as a player, that him facing this type of adversity and, and having somebody say, hey, this has to stop at the age that he is, is going to help him in the future. And so I think... Um, I know there's a lot of people in the comments right now also saying like, who, who cares about his attitude or whatever I've been in teams and yeah, I want to get your care. takes, obviously that, that if you act like that, it is detrimental to the team. It is toxic to the team to feel like you're above the rules, above the law, that you don't have to, whatever, that you think what you're going through is more important than what all of us are going through collectively when we're on the mission of what we're trying to accomplish, that it is a big deal. And you are, it's it, what I think people forget is that when you're in a camp and with a team like, especially the national team, you are together all the time. So every time you're in the showers, every time you're in the meal room, every time you're on the field, I don't know why I started with showers, by the way, guys. That's a, yeah, yeah, I was like, man, right. where, where's your uh, head yeah, going, uh, dude? Man, yeah, really I, I meant, I, the showers I, were I meant so to say awesome. locker rooms, okay? Let tell, me start tell us more about the showers, Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every you time you're in the, the locker rooms, you're in the meal rooms, you're in the train, you're in the, okay, guys, let me go back on my monologue. Every time you're in the training room, I can tell the Geo's. Right? I can tell the Geo's wiener is really depressed <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know his toenails yeah, also, really just stood, yeah. stood out to me. Yeah. I don't. I don't get okay. it. Okay. 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 We dial it back. Uh, locker room. Okay. More specifically, um, uh, meal room, training room, hotel rooms, players' lounge, <laughs> the uh, on the bus, anywhere you're going, <laughs> bathroom, showers. You feel that tension, and misery loves company. And Jimmy's told the story multiple times of being in the elevator looking for a hug from from Casey Keller and Casey Keller didn't give it to him. Right. And when you are in that type of mindset, you want people around you to be like, yeah, you know what? Screw that guy. You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about because there are players that, that maybe don't agree with how Greg coaches or his tactics or whatever. There's plenty of those players in every team that don't necessarily agree with everything a coach says. That is why we are who we are and where we get to where we get to, because we also have our own opinions and our own thoughts that push us. But that can be really, really, really toxic. And we've seen no that in generations how. past with the and, French and national I, team and others. Yeah. Like it's, it, it can be destructive because he's a huge star. So anyways. That's, no matter that's how point. talented an individual is, if they have this, this attitude, if they walk around and huff and puff and show up to meals late and meetings late and treat people with disrespect and don't work hard, it is it's a big message if this coach plays this player. It is. It, 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 you can't do it. It, you it can't is do detrimental. It, it is absolutely dead. Because I know yeah, these. Yeah. there's a lot of comments I see in our YouTube comments right now on Twitter, Instagram, all of it. Man, play your best players. Gio Reyna is one of your best players. It takes away from his quality on the pitch. 
if he plays and acts in that way, if he carries himself where every player is like, man, that, that, this kid's entitled as shit. I'm not, I'm not playing with this guy. I'm not going to work for this guy. This guy expects me to work for him. No, I'm not doing it. And then it's a trickle down effect and, and guys start getting in groups and they're talking. Why is he playing over me? I'm working. I've done this. I've done that. And it, it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm playing every week. You know, you know, well, that's when it, you really it, start to get the clicks, that, right? When you start to have everybody separate you, and go like, Oh, now, now it. it doesn't matter what I do. I can tell you this from talking to, to people there, they are, Greg Berhalter earned a lot of respect from the guys because he didn't play Gio Reyna. And in the past, maybe didn't stand up to Gio Reyna. But in this case, he's like, I'm going with my guys. This is who I see starting. This is who I see us helping. And because of that, you deal with it. You're not playing. That's it. And I, I, heard, Charlie, I, heard, the guy, the I heard the way I heard the guys were upset that he played seven minutes. In that game against was it England? Mm-hmm. They they I heard that the guys were upset that he even got on the field because because it felt like a softening from Greg of of like you know having well, Jordan Morris come in, uh, in the first game and then and then Gio comes in on that Jimmy because we're gonna we're gonna keep on Gio because I think this is there's a very like holistic view that I think we're gonna be able to paint the picture of of of, of all those things as former players as well as like circumstantially. But do you agree with the fact that Greg let it out? Do you think that was wrong? It's no, wrong. I do think it was wrong. wrong. I, I, he shouldn't have said it. But, but what I'm saying is that I think he wanted to get that off of his chest. I think he wanted people to know deep down that he he was he. What are you going to do when you're a coach of a team and you got have somebody to your point, Charlie? You have somebody with a bad attitude, and everybody knows that that player has a bad attitude. And you go and you start that player anyway. Oh, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost everybody else. You're not, not going to respect so, yeah, that one person anymore. who has a bad attitude and is going to honestly will stay with a bad attitude. But doesn't it? Uh, but, he, it just but doesn't it's it also feel team culture? But doesn't it also feel even worse the fact that he that it's come out that it was like almost like saying it wasn't even just me. It was twelve people yeah, that wanted exactly. to send him home. Thirteen yeah. kept him, but twelve. Like it wasn't just me that had a problem with this person. It was everybody, and we took it to a vote. And I know it's being being painted in this like dem- democratic picture of like everybody gets a say in the staff of, about this player going home or not. But it also feels like it's washing his hands clean of saying I'm not the only one seeing a problem with this guy. And I will say this: remember when that video came out of the players walking in and all the people were celebrating, and Gio Reyna was walking through with the players mm-hmm, into the mm-hmm. hotel. He was walking pissed off. He wasn't smiling. He wasn't engaging, and you had guys jumping up and down, dancing. Christian Pulisic, yeah. like hurt, like everybody was like super excited about this. Was a this was a huge moment in time for team building, and in that moment, yes, it was brief, and yes, maybe I'm overanalyzing it. He didn't smile. He wasn't interested in it, and he wasn't buying into that type of moment. And I, and I've played in games where we've won, and I didn't play, and I was pissed off and whatever. But you still have to, for that moment, be part of a group. Know that you are part of something bigger than yourself. And that can be really hard. Don't get me wrong. Like throughout my career, when there was times I was on the bench and I felt like I didn't contribute to a team's success or I felt like whatever, you know, there are those brief moments in your mind where you go like, you're just, it's hard to come out of your own bubble because we are by nature and, selfish, but still. And, and, by, and by this, uh, just, uh, I see there's one comment that just says, Jim McCann said, wasn't this vote debunked? It was debunked from players. The players did not vote. This was, yeah, staff. was the staff. The staff, staff did yeah. vote. So, Jim, I hope that helps you there. Um, in terms of Greg Berhalter, I think he earned a lot of respect from this team in not playing Gio Reyna. Even though Gio Reyna is supremely talented. And I don't know Gio Reyna personally. He's a good kid. He's, he's, he, went, he, he went and hit a banger two days after the World Cup, you know? Right? Like, <laughs> he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a damn good kid, and he's super talented. This is only going to help him. How many people have we've played with, worked with, who have had bad attitudes at times, and then it it comes back to haunt them, and it forces them to change. This is a moment where he's going to grow from it and understand, yes, you're competitive. Yes, you, you want to win. Yes, you want to play all the time, but sometimes it doesn't work out. So how do you handle it? Because the way you're handling it now, it comes off as an a, a, a entitled baby. And no one has time for that. So you have to figure out a different way to you act out on your emotions, to convey your frustration. So I think for, from that standpoint, yes, um, he's going to be, a, 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 I think, a, a super successful player. 
But with it coming out in the way it did and him having to to put a post out and, and basically confirm the story and, and kind of give the reasons why, I don't see how Greg sticks with this national team at this point because too much information's gotten out. And I know there's there talk of negotiations with, with Greg and re-upping the contract, but now it just seems like, yes, I'm sure well, yeah, yeah. things can, can comments be fixed like that. and healed, but yeah. I, I think across the whole group, it might be difficult to come back from this. There's, there's, before we get into that side of the conversation, and happy to get into that, I wanted to mention, just from Gio's perspective, you're 19, and your dad played in four World Cups. Mm-hmm. Your mom was a highly successful soccer player as well. And there must be some expectation. Whether, whether the parents comes from them or not, you probably feel it. I do want to say, and I hope that Claudio is telling him this, that Claudio's first World Cup was in 94, and he sat on the bench. He didn't, he didn't play. He went in there, got some experience, and then ended up becoming one of our most important players for the next three World Cups. And he ended up being captain in, in the last one in 2006, maybe even captain in 2002. But, you know, I, I just I think there's a lot to what you're saying to grow from. I also wonder, when you think about him as a person and understand his story, that his brother passed away when he was young, his brother was older, and you wonder how much he carries that with him and how much he feels like he needs to... That's a lot. It's really heavy. And I'm not going to pretend uh, to know anything about that because I didn't. Lo- I haven't lost a sibling. I've lost parents at a young age and blah, blah, blah. But I just think there might be some weight that he's carrying there and, and what he feels like he has to do. And, and when those expectations weren't met, either because his dad was highly and his mom was highly successful, and then all of a sudden you feel like you've you're, you got to do it for your, your, the, you know, your brother who passed away, that's a lot. That's a lot of emotional weight that you're carrying. And I think he's carrying that. Because yeah. one of the things that I mentioned leading into the World Cup, anytime we watch Gio Reyna play, we all know that that guy is unbelievable when he plays with a smile on his face. When he's not playing with a smile on his face, when you can tell there's something bigger going on, or he's, he just feels like he's carrying so much on his shoulders that it just it, it weighs him down. And, and mm-hmm. when you can tell that he's playing free, we've seen it. We've seen it with Dortmund. We've seen it with the national team. The kid's another level. So how do you figure out whether it's a coach or or an assistant or a mentor or whoever it is that can help him get to that sweet spot? Because once he finds that sweet spot, he is going to be unstoppable. Go ahead. Charlie just said U3. He's talking to himself right now. He's turning out himself on a screen and he's got a question. If you you were in Greg's shoes heading into the World Cup and you, in your mind, were were always going to play Timothy Weah on the right, Christian on the left, and whoever up top, Josh Sargent. How'd you write whoever? Would you have kept him on the on the roster? Would you have how would you have dealt with that situation? Would you have played him still? Would you would you have would you have still started him and found a way to put him on the field? Or would you have said, you know what? I'm going to to kind of keep keep this team, this locker room together because guys are 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 clearly frustrated with his attitude and the way he's he's approached it. Go ahead, Heath. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just talked for like three minutes straight. It's your turn. I mean, just so I understand the the the, the question accurately, Charlie, you're talking about would I take Geo to the World Cup? And if you were the same situation as Greg, what what would you have done? You've you've already announced him. He's on the the roster. You go to yeah. camp. You tell him I'm Timothy Way is starting at the right. Kirsten on the left. And we're, we're not changing MMA in the midfield. So you're unfortunately on, on the outs. You're you're a substitute. And then he does that following yeah. all the way through. Yeah, part of, part of me feels like I almost don't believe that like Greg told him at the beginning of the World Cup, your role is going to be limited because I feel like that's a weird thing to say to somebody. Right, right I at agree. At the beginning of the World Cup, like that's a weird motivator like to say. Maybe the, it may have been that in this first, uh, how we see it right now, this is the team that we're looking at because obviously they, he went with almost a consistent team all the way mm-hmm. through. Um, but I don't know if you'd be, I don't know if you'd say like something like, you know, your minutes are going to probably be, be hard to come by. Right. Mm-hmm. I would guess that there was probably some body language early on the moment he started to feel like perhaps his minutes were going to be limited to come by. And then it required a conversation that then led to some real like, visualizations of of the frustrations right I, that would be mm-hmm. again i'm creating a whole world now so i and i don't want to do that but that sounds more logical to me than greg going into a world cup telling like 
a bunch of guys like, hey, you're, not, you're probably not going to play. You know, like that's when you go into a team, roles start to become clear. There's going to be a few guys like your Gio Reyna that should be starting when he's at his best. Um, it's coming off some injuries. Maybe doesn't fit what they're trying to do in the beginning that you have to address. But it seems like it's probably a little bit of like, like it's the chicken or the egg that is probably body language that led to a conversation about the role and the responsibilities of somebody in the team, which led to even worse body language or sustained body language from there that needed to then have a serious conversation. You know, um, that would be how I would see that playing out, at least how I know in teams, because I don't think it'd be a very smart management tool to tell somebody they're not going to play um, when you're trying to keep well, everybody but, hungry. No, no, I agree with that. I, I wonder if it gotten to the point though, with his body language, where you're like, I just have to say something to him. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I think it happened is like, he probably saw going through training, like, okay, this group, you know how it is starting. You, 11, you know who like, the starters okay, are three yeah. more, three players switch in and you're like, okay, maybe them. And when you know that you don't get repped into that group, you're like, huh, something's <laughs> off. Uh, right. You said, like, said Bornstein. I see. You know, when, yeah. you know, when, 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 when the, when the coach is in the middle and he's got the pennies and he's like, Hey, um, Scally, uh, you, uh, jump in right back here for a little bit. And, uh, Charlie, you go up, you go up top, uh, switch with, uh, Josie and, and uh, Jimmy, you go into center back and you're on the other team going, huh? Maybe I'll be in the, I'll be, I'll be in the next rotation. I'll be in the next rotation. And that pisses you off. Right. But there's oh, that, a time that hurts. from it. You, it, it hurts. hurts. Yeah. Um, but it probably led to a lot more of those things where it's it's very easy in those intimate environments to huff and puff and get attention if you want it, right? You can show up late, you sit in the back, you've got your hood on, you've got like, you know, you show your body language, you're kind of detached from the group, you finish your meal, you go to your room, you do all those little things because you want people to know that you are not okay. Um, and those add up to things where now maybe a leader like Yedlin goes, this is my guy and something's off. And Greg's, mm -hmm. you know, he's saying something to Greg, Greg's saying something back to him or guys are talking. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, there's some potential like poison here that we need to figure out. And that's, I agree with you, Jimmy. That's where I think it had to start. Cause I don't think Greg's walking around going like, just so you know, you're going to average about seven to nine minutes a game. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. 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 But I want you to be happy with that type of thing. Well, I wonder, I wonder if it got to the point and he said that because he was looking for a positive response from Gio. Like I'm going to snap him out of this. I'm going to let him know that, that he needs to pick up his game or whatever it is. And when Gio didn't respond in that way, I wonder if that's was then the catalyst for, well, let's uh this isn't going the way that I thought. Well, He's not uh, responding I'll, the way that I thought. Let's let's I'm gonna put it to a vote. And would uh, you have sent I, his I, ass I, home? I, I, <laughs> hey, I, I mean it, it must that. honestly if, if he's going listen, if you're taking to it to 12? a vote, Charlie. No, no, no. It wasn't it wasn't that many people. It was not it was still not it, from what let's I heard say, it was nine to eight. It was nine right, to let's, eight for the let's staff, say nine to whatever. eight though. You had eight yeah. people being like, send his ass home. I'm done with him. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's how bad his behavior must have been. If he's like touching to your point before, Heath, about like every single facet, including the showers of like where he's <laughs> being down and out. Uh, you, you Guys, wonder, when I'm like, mad at home, you will, you will know when I'm mad at home, you know? Oh, exactly. I'll, but so you have, I'll, you have I'll slam people. our soft closing closets, you know, I'll yell at the kids. I'll do like, you will know. In one way or another, yeah. no matter how distracted you are, that someone's upset in our house. You know, like it's the same thing in a locker room environment or in a team environment. But, but for eight people to say they they didn't want him to be in part of the team anymore, I mean, that is that's a lot. And you only had nine that were like, who was the well, swing vote? This, who this was the, the who was the last the, vote that was like, hey man, yeah, you're the, the swing, swing vote, vote in this in this election. You know, like you are the most important person in the history of U.S. soccer. Well, I. And, I, I uh, who knows? Maybe they didn't tally the votes until the end, but but still, but, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this, because for a lot of people that's saying, Gio's not fit, blah, 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 he's fit. Well, they have trackers for, for training sessions, for games. Because of Gio's attitude and his mentality, his numbers were far lower than where they should be. So... They said he was walking way, around and like you could say like he's not fit. Yeah, so yeah. that was that was the the their way of saying, oh, Gio, instead of saying horrible attitude, we're gonna send his ass home. We're gonna say he's not fit because his numbers don't match the 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 levels that or you are required be. to yeah. play in a World Cup and not only play in a World Cup, be successful and contribute to how they've played. And if you look at MMA in the midfield and how they played together over the course of the four matches. I would say he made the right decision in midfield considering yeah. the England match was fantastic. Considering he went with Timothy Weah over Gio Reyna. Those, those moves were, were, were well, they worked. 
I don't have a problem with Gio Reyna not starting because those players played well. They took their chance. You could argue, man, if Gio Reyna started instead of Weston McKinney or, or Yunus Musa or Timothy Oya, maybe he would have had more success, if not the same. But from what we saw, th- those guys performed. Against Holland, maybe you could have said, hey, this could have been a, an opportunity to, to kind of switch it all up on, on the Netherlands and say, we're going to go in a different with different players because we need some fresh legs some more energy. We're, we're going to, we're going to play a different way, defend and counter all of that. However, uh, I think when you have a player that's really a, a negative spot in, in, in the locker room, it's hard to, to make that change. So yeah, you, you look at yeah. both ways. Is it, in terms of is it the player's fault or is it the manager's fault on how he dealt with that talented player? You could go in a lot of different directions, but ultimately you, you, you as a player control your, your destiny on, on how you act. You control that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's only two things you can control, Charlie, right? It's your attitude and your performance. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's all you can control. You can't control the coach's decision. It's how you react to it, obviously. And what's interesting is covering the game here in Doha, that last one, U.S. versus Netherlands, we had somebody on the field. And we're like, okay, well, at halftime, you know, we think we need to make a change. You know, is it going to be Gio? Is it Brendan? Like, who's going to come in? And so they're like, oh, Gio and, and Gio's coming out. We're like, sweet. Awesome. All right. So he's going to make a change at halftime. You know, you kind of, you know, we're on Twitter. We're trying to, like, get ahead of whatever we can see. And I've obviously got an advantage. I got somebody there on the field. And, and, they're like, but he's not sprinting. He's not like, it doesn't look like he's actually warming up. And I was like, all right, well, maybe he's coming in the 60th. But that was the information given back to me, that he's done no sprints. He's just kind of jogging around. And he's kind of just passing it back and forth. And there's no urgency. So, so I just assumed, okay, if he's not sprinting or doing anything, like, like I got to get my blood up, then he's going to come on like maybe the 60th minute. And that's what I left with. And then he started the second half. I'm like, dude, why didn't that dude like sprinting and doing warm-ups? You know, <laughs> that was like my initial thing. And it kind of speaks to what we're hearing, right? It, it, again, we're not there. We're not living it every day like these guys. We can't see it. But but it, it does kind of be in line with some of the things that we are hearing and things we heard along the way from, from some of the players that we know that he was I, walking around a lot. Um, I, I can and, say and this. Like from... in scrimmages and stuff. You're like, what is happening? Diego, but, Diego Costa of Chelsea when he was crushing it. And then he got upset, wanted to move – they told me the Chelsea players that in training, he would literally pick the ball up with his hands and just punt it as high as he could <laughs> and, and, and do everything in his power for the coach to be like, I can't deal with this dude. We're getting rid of him. It and sounds he, like Clint Mathis. Would, yeah. He would literally do everything. He would trip people. He would pull their sh- pants down, boot the ball <laughs> out when it came to him. He would throw the ball into the stands on throw-ins. <laughs> you know, like everything. That that it, that takes away – if a coach goes, you know what, Diego, you're in starting 11 the next day. You know, how, how do you think guys can get up for, for and play for a manager and play play with that player on the pitch? You can't. You can't. You can't. It's, it is literally impossible. It is impossible. Right. All right. Well, moving on from the geo conversation, let's uh, let's talk about Zach Steffen, who has come out here in the last day or two, speaking about his omission from the World Cup roster. He had touched upon a few things, obviously being upset, being sad, disappointed, all normal human emotions, as all of us have been through these situations before, being left off for, for various reasons and how devastating that can be. Uh, shocked and heartbroken, uh, other, other words he used. But I thought what was interesting is he asked out of the September camps due to some what he said and phrased as mental health. And, and I, I, I wish there would have been more exploration there because I think that is something that needs to be talked about a lot. It still feels like when, when you say mental health, I get the sense that it's that guy's soft or – you know, and I actually think that there it takes a lot of courage to come up and say, hey, I'm just not feeling the way that I usually feel when I need to at a key moments and, and whatever. And so I wish I wish they would have explored that a little bit more because that's fascinating to me because uh, 
But he asked out of the September friendlies against Japan and Saudi Arabia because of some issues. And I think there was some family stuff going on. And, and obviously, that's that's very private. I wanted to stay that way. But I, I'm very – the mental health stuff is, is pretty interesting. And I'm not surprised by his reactions and how, how disappointed he was by being left off. And he didn't, he didn't get into the 10- or 15-minute conversation he had with Greg. But Greg just basically said, you're not going to be on my roster. And uh, for someone who had been so pivotal, it, that must have been incredibly heartbreaking. And Charlie, I'll come to you first on on the statements from Zach and and then anything else you want to add. Well, I, I can say in the past, um, especially when we were playing, that did not exist. You, you were never turning down a call up and you were never even considering your mental health, no matter how depressed you were um, or or. You know, if family members were having a, a, an I, issue, I, Charlie, you kept I, it I in. would say I would say that Landon Donovan was the only one who kind of got to go on that journey during his career in the national team of like, but it cost him in out. It cost but him that for was, sure. That, but he was the only 2014, one. Twenty fourteen though. It, yeah, it ended up costing, like, but, it, it was, but there was a, there was a long yeah. period that he was going through post like two thousand nine. When I don't want to get into his personal life, but things were happening in his personal life. Yeah, but he also had an incredible Confederations Cup. And when we no, first but, found but I'm out, not, I'm not talking about performance necessarily. Okay. I'm talking about the fact that like there were times that he would maybe not be in the same day as other people or, you know, there like there was a few people within a team that had extraordinary circumstances at times within the national team that we as a group, like you go back to what you're saying about having a group that needs to buy in and trust and believe in somebody and say, like, if you if you treating everybody equally and whatever, there was a few people that you could have some workarounds on. Um but other than that, you never, never, never turned down. And Jimmy shared his one one story of of of, of uh, how that affected him turning down. Um, yeah, the opportunity it probably to be with cost me. It, yeah, it probably cost me my potentially cost me. I don't want to say probably, but potentially cost me my chance to play in a second World Cup. So yeah, I mean, and I I didn't. It wasn't phrased as mental health. I for just to catch everybody up. You know, I had my first baby, and it was a really tough year. She was a tough colicky baby so she'd cry a lot we weren't getting a lot of sleep and that put it, it put me in a situation i'd never been in before not only in my own life but with my marriage and how that impacted my performance on the field and that was starting to be noticeable that i wasn't as sharp as i had been before i picked it up at the end of the year but i was worn out emotionally and uh when bob called me bob bradley called me to come into the january camp i just Thought, assuming because he had he's a dad that he would understand where I was coming from. And when I tried to explain it, and I didn't even really know how to explain it. I wasn't talking to a therapist, which I should have been, but I, I, I wasn't. So when I tried to verbalize this to the men's national team coach, he's like, what do you, what you got? You're, you're behind Parkhurst. You're behind Bobby Boswell and Eddie Rock. I'm like, what are you, dude, dude, I'm trying to tell you that I just need a break because I'm like, I'm under it. And he just goes into like who I'm competing against and that I'm going to miss this big opportunity. And I, I then eventually went in and I didn't play well to the surprise, even though I tried. I went in there trying. I didn't have a bad attitude. I just couldn't engage in the same way. And then when I didn't, I got left off the roster to play against Mexico. I'm like, I, I came in here for what? Like, I, you didn't even take me anyway. And I just completely broke down and started crying. And, and uh, not necessarily embarrassed by it, but I, I was in front of the whole staff and I just I couldn't I couldn't hold it in anymore. So I walked away and Bob followed me and we tried to like find a resolution. But at that point, I just like I told you, I didn't want to come man. I knew where I was. I don't I don't just make up this stuff to make it up because I want off a of January camp like I work my ass off. And I just want to make sure that I'm in a good space to make that happen. And everything I need everything in my life to be I have to be at peace with what's happening at home for me to be mm -hmm. successful on the field. Like that, That's how it works. And I didn't have that peace. And so anyway, I I. I I can relate to what Zach Steffen is talking about mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily need the details because I've lived it myself. Uh, I just, it's disappointing that, that, that maybe got used against him and, and not to think, say that like, it was, I, I don't want to speculate, but I'm just yeah, saying that, I, that I, it just feels really weird to me to go from mental health. I, I really need this. Right. And whatever the negotiation may have been in that point of like, uh, well, can I give you a couple days? Can you come in a couple days after, or you need you mm -hmm. in or you're either in or you're out. And we know that I feel like I hope, the conversations uh, U.S. soccer has the resources to have uh, mental health uh, coaches and performance coaches to be able to have that conversation of like, you know, where are we at with this? What does this actually mean? Instead of it being like, you know, your soft type of thing. I think we hopefully U.S. soccer and, and most um, national teams or clubs with the resources have moved beyond that whole space. Um, but I'm just wondering what happened between September and November 
that somebody could have fallen so far from grace of being the starter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. starter, to competing for the starting spot, to being the number two, to being four. Like that to me, some, something's missing in that conversation yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, to me that doesn't make I'm sense. Sure, Especially I'm if he's sure, heartbroken and devastated. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll come out. <laughs> yeah, you just need another conference. Greg's just got to have one more conference and we, we, another private conference and we'll get it. <laughs> it'll come out at some point. I don't know. I, I feel like he didn't want to take two starting goalkeepers because he didn't want to make a tough decision. He just wanted to be Matt Turner and then there was no competition. He's sticking with Matt Turner no matter what. Yeah, but don't you Matt feel Turner like a, in a worst case I don't scenario, know. though, you go to your other number one because that's a gift, uh, you know, to have that? Or, you know, is Zach Steffen um, not willing to be a number two? Uh, I don't. Yeah, that's I, what that's I'm the, not, that's I don't the missing play piece. The speculation of that. game. I know, I know, I know. Like something to go from. Like I needed time with my family. I was going through a lot. You know, he went from big city to big mistakes on the biggest stage. We saw like some of that stuff is unimaginable. The criticism he got for the goals he gave up at City uh, in the cups to then finding his club to needing some time with with family and friends, whatever he was going through, to then being like. Well, now you're the fourth best in the U.S. after helping us get through qualifying from being our number one. Let's just one, get Zach on the show. That would be helpful. That would yeah. be helpful. We'll get, sure. we'll get Zach on the show. Yeah. Then he, then he yeah, can talk. I don't know. He can talk to the, to the masses here. Um, our, our, our usuals. I see, I see a lot of people in here in the YouTube comments. You know, my, my guy, Kai718 is always here. Uh, spice pineapple. Uh, hey, shout out to all you. Uh, I love all the questions. JB Davies 16, always constantly asking these questions. And of course, <laughs> Def Kiss 83 with, um, you know, some, some of those comments he's trying to trigger. I know he's trying to troll us, but uh, oh, Charlie, the true hyena. Charlie, hey, Charlie had out. a nice off week and he's nice and calm. You you get him on Thursday though. I promise you hey. by Thursday, you'll get Charlie wound up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't get Charlie on Mondays. Hey, Heath. I'm I'm nice today. I'm relaxed. Uh, uh, nothing's yeah. getting me today. But all right, Dev hey. Kiss. We'll see you on Thursday to hit this guy hard, hit Charlie hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, you know? Everybody be ready with your trolling questions for Charlie uh, Davies on Thursday. Yes, please. End of the week. All right, final I'm, thoughts I'm then. Up. Final thoughts from you guys. Uh, anything you want to add to the conversation or to say goodbye? Obviously, much love to everybody that watches and listens to us on a regular basis. We appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button. That's the best way to show us that love or leave us a five star review if you. Listen to it on podcast platform of your choice. Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you first. Yeah. Uh, my final thought is I see a lot of growth already in Giorena, just being able to come out and publicly say, instead of saying, hey, none of this is true. I'm a professional. You know, Greg didn't play me. I was healthy. Instead of all that, he just said, I'll put my hand up first and say, I wasn't a good teammate. I, I, I didn't react in the way that I should have and carried myself. But uh, I didn't have any problems after we addressed that. And sure, I can't be happy if I don't feel happy. I'm trying my best to contain all this emotion that I have. But this is a, a moment for him to kind of learn and, and figure out ways to to channel that that energy, to channel that frustration in a positive way. So mm -hmm. um, shout out to Gio Reyna. I know you're going to bounce mm -hmm. back. You're going to do your thing. We're all going to be proud of you. World Cup 26. Get it, get it ready. Gio Reyna is going to have that breakout that we we all yeah. expect them to have. Um, and you know, it's 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 unfortunate that th this all came out. I, I, I'm I'm a little disappointed from um, the 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 coaching staff to let this get out. You know, mm -hmm. just like things that happen in this brotherhood, it's got to stay locked tight. Nothing can get out, and you can't use this as an excuse to like for decisions you made you made those decisions you ride and die with it you stick with it and that's the group that you keep it shut so i'm a little disappointed that that came out and, and forced geo to to have to you know come out with that statement if it I came out on a podcast with us yeah. great then we say hey geo <laughs> now we understand you you told everybody why but I, I don't to come out to have to make that post it's it's just uh it's uncomfortable and it's going to be uncomfortable for a while how about you heath yeah, I'd say the same thing. Um, you know, obviously started the episode on 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 Grant and the tribute for him, and and hopefully we we find out more um, in the near future. But with regard to Geo, great learning experience for him, an opportunity for to st I still believe he could be our greatest, you know, U.S. player ever. He's got the same amount of upside. It sucks the way it came out. It sucks that he should have to make he should have to make a statement in the way that his statement is naturally going to be, which is very PR. Uh, driven and not personal um, and doesn't give us another like 
deeper insight in, into him as a person. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I like the way, if, it, if, if all of that was handled the way that it was and I never learned about it, I, I'd be super proud to know that that's how mature and the leaders that this team has and the future of this national team, knowing that they took all of this in-house and it was actually the coach that let it out. And all those players handled this and from what I understand, stood up in a meeting and confronted him and they worked through that as teammates and then they moved on uh, together, I think is, a, is, a, is, a, is an inspirational moment of team building. And, and if that is indeed the case, then I'm super excited about where this team is going. And, and Or like some of the people in the comments saying, uh, not in these comments, but on Twitter saying, now Gio Reyna is going to go play for another national team in the next World Cup now that he's all mad. <laughs> uh, not how it works, um, but I'm excited and, and he's a hugely talented player and, and can't wait to see him back in the national team again. Well, well said for both of you. I appreciate that. I'm just going to end it with, we love you, Grant Wall, and you're going to be missed. And we appreciate everybody that listens to In Soccer We Trust. And we'll see you on Thursday. Later. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.